this week on the Habs Forum, after a week off because of COVID, back-to-back wins for the Canadians makes it three in a row. First time the Canadians get back-to-back wins under Duchamp. Team is looking good. That break might have been a, a good thing. Obviously, we want Army to get better, but uh, the break might have helped off the Canadians. So we're going to talk about these last two wins, uh, four nothing against uh, the Oilers, and just lost a shutout there at the end against the Sens, unfortunately. But and both wins fairly. I don't want to say easy, but it almost felt uh, easy. So a lot to talk with those games and uh, more news around the, the more rumors about the Danube contract. What happened around that? The Eric Stahl trade, of course. Eric Stahl and Corey Perry are Canadians. Crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And, of course, with the prospects, Cole Caulfield, um, his season's over uh, at the collegiate level. We know he's going to start in the AHL, so we'll talk about that. And we got some Twitter questions. As always, at the Habs Forum, ask us your questions, and uh, we're, we're happy to answer them. But first, Dustin, tell me who our sponsor is. The Habs Forum still brought to you by Manscaped.com. Check out the new Lawnmower 3.0 and the Weed Whacker. The Weed Whacker, a great thing to have for sure to uh, to make sure your nose is uh, is uh, well fully whacked, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and the lawnmower. I mean, especially with summer coming up, always a great thing to have, and uh, and definitely my favorite thing in the summer is the the Manscaped ball wipes. Definitely a great thing to have on those hot summer days. I mean, I think uh, both you and me uh, uh, can be quite sweaty on summer days, so they, they, they can definitely come uh, come handy. Uh, all so, right, uh, so. check manscaped.com and uh, of course use our promo code HabsForum to get twenty percent off your purchase and free shipping. Very all sad. right. So uh, let's get into it. So I didn't actually talk about the since the last podcast. There's more games. There was that those are like two weeks ago at this point, but a whole week off because I now I was nervous when I heard about that. I mean, luckily it was only Armia, but the fact that they shut the games down so quickly and all that, and like it turns out, Kutkinimi didn't get any anything. I mean, but I mean, before we get into these games, like that week off. I mean, it just just because like we were talking about it before, since there's like nothing else going on, it felt like the Canadians didn't weren't playing for like a a month. It felt so long. It did. Ah, oh, man, it was crazy. Like, yeah, like you said. I mean, there's nothing going on. I mean, especially here in Quebec, the cases just keep going up. So you know, really, nothing's going on here. So, uh, yeah, especially when you're expecting, you know, the the Canadians to be playing, and then the day of you find out they're not playing and then we have to and go a week. The, the thing is they've been actually fun to watch. It's like last year, if there was a week where there's no Habs hockey, I would be like, oh, whatever. Like it's just <laughs> a week off from being miserable. Who gives a crap? I mean, <laughs> like pre bubble, at least, you know, pre bubble, at least it, it, it wasn't exactly. So it, especially since Dushams showed up, I mean, that, that that's one of my favorite, something that's not talked about enough. I think like, of course, winning is important, but they're more fun to watch uh, with, uh, with Dusham at the, at the helm. So I, I was worried. I don't know about you, but going to Edmonton's game, I was, I was a little worried because they had a week off earlier this year. They didn't look that good coming back. Uh, but it, it was definitely a case of, I mean, the rest was more important uh, than anything else in that game. Edmonton, because I don't want to downplay how well Montreal played, but Edmonton just looked terrible in that game. I mean, the Canadians played well. I mean, it started off strong, but right away, Edmonton was completely out of this game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, the Canadians definitely, like like you said, I mean, the the times that they've had extended periods of uh, of time off, you know, you, you, you they, they look more rusty than rested. 
And so it was a little bit nerve wracking to see them get, uh, you know, the especially an unexpected break like that. Well, not just uh, that, no practices either, right? They only practiced yeah. the last couple of days before yeah. the game. Certainly, yeah, yeah. So I mean, absolutely. I mean, all the all the all the more reason to be even more rested. But uh, I mean, obviously they come into the game, get a goal 18 seconds in, and they're up two nothing uh, about three and a half minutes into the game. So, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, just the start they needed, really. Um, you know. I mean, they're they're right in the thick of the playoffs race right now, especially like um, Edmonton's, you know, right in front of them. But I mean, obviously, we have a bunch of games in hand, like five, six games in hand at this point. Um, so, you know, they wanted to come out and make a statement here. And uh, and obviously they did. Like you said, I mean, Ottawa, the, or Edmonton was pretty, pretty flat out of the gate. But uh I mean, it, it reminded me of that game a few weeks ago that we kind of talked about where I forget against who it was, but the, the Canadians had a really off game and, and everyone was talking about how it was, it was just kind of back to back games, the like two games, but like two and two games in two nights, uh, three and four. And they just, they just obviously didn't have the legs and like, you, like you don't want to make excuses for teams, but people talk about it a lot. And, and like, whether it's hockey or basketball, sometimes you look at the schedule going into the season and there's some games you can tell right away that that's, it's just going to be a loss. They're at the end of a road trip and all that. I mean, that's not like the Canadians played well, but that's not the Edmonton team. The Canadians are going to see the next time they face them. They're, they're going to come out much, much, much more ready to play, I think. And, uh, but at the same time, a good team wins these games. We, we've had Habs teams in the past that found a way to lose these types of games, you know, like they, they would make the other goalie look good and, and uh, they, they, they wouldn't be able to score. They, so they wouldn't be able to get the W. So it's still, still valuable to get, uh, to get that win. And, and, and you mentioned, cause Edmonton's ahead of us. Like the thing is now, even if, if you just look at point percentage, the Canadians are actually ahead of Edmonton really. because all the points, all the games in hand and, and all that. So, so technically they could finish ahead of Edmonton and, we were talking about it before we started recording. I mean, I, all I really care about is making the playoffs, really, because I don't know how much home ice advantage is going to matter. And it, it seems like in the North Division, it's becoming more and more apparent that the top four teams are going to be the top four teams because it's crazy. But during that week off, the Habs' chances to make the playoffs went up because Calgary and Vancouver kept losing. So, I mean, that was, that was the one advantage of not playing is that every day you turn on the box scores and you see, oh, well, the Canadians' are playoff position is actually looking better, even though they didn't play again yesterday. No, it was perfect. I mean, absolutely. I mean, like you said, they had they hadn't played all week, but I mean, their situation just kept getting better and better. I mean, the two teams really that are that are chasing them for that final spot. Obviously, I mean, Ottawa's been out of the race since before the season began, really. Yeah. And I mean, uh, Vancouver and Calgary. I mean, they just kept losing and losing and losing. Not and it always in regulation. And yeah, I mean, the Canadians are sitting pretty right now. And I mean, especially. You know, two games after that little COVID break, I mean, they've got off to a great start and hopefully they can uh, ride this wave. I mean, you know, it had been, I think, February the last time that they won two games in a row and now they're at three. So yeah, it was the first time yeah. under Duchamp. First time, yes. like the record under Duchamp is good, but they kept winning one, losing one, winning one, losing one. First back-to-back wins under Deshaun, and now it's three in a row. I mean, I, I'm sure that feels uh, absolutely great for the team. And to get the shutout to in, in the Edmonton game was was, was great because that's what kept the game interesting for me at the end because what happened in today's game with the Habs losing, the Allen losing the shutout in the last two minutes, it seems to happen to the Canadians all the time. So I, I was really, really – I feel bad for Allen, but I, I'm that much happier for Price that he got the shutout, you know, because uh, – I, I really want him to. Get, I wanted him to get that shutout. So many times they've lost it at the end, and with the struggles Price has had 
so far this year. It was so, so good to see him get that shutout. And now his stats, Carey Price's stats, so he's played 10 games under Duchamp. He's got six wins, two losses, two OT losses, 920 save percentage, and 218 goals against average. That, those are some pretty good numbers. Those are some pretty good numbers. If he keeps that up, this team is going to be more and more dangerous. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, we we all know that Canadian success is is pretty much going to be be I mean, very reliant, obviously, on Carey Price. It's it's been so ever since he got to Montreal. So I mean, if he can continue to put those those numbers up and and we get in the playoffs and he's still in that hot streak, I mean, we saw what he could do last yeah. season. I mean, he's one of if not the reason really the canadians beat pittsburgh in the first Absolutely. round yeah i don't think anyone would argue with that oh well, i mean if he can keep it going man i mean uh, we can beat toronto we can beat uh, i mean we can beat anybody and, and before we move on from the edmonton game i want to talk about the that mcdavid hit now it was a lot of controversy on twitter i mean and a lot of like hockey people not related to the canadians chiming in here some people strongly thought it was a suspension. Others thought it was nothing more than a two-minute penalty. He gets the usual – I mean, here's the thing. Regardless of whether or not it should have been suspension or not, if you're going to have fines, make the fines more relevant. I mean, as someone pointed out that – so he got $5,000 fine based on his salary per year. It's the equivalent of someone who makes $50,000 a year getting fined $20. It's 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 nothing. It's 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 a joke. McDavid doesn't care about that. It doesn't mean anything. Make the fine, if it's going to be a fine, make it something bigger and give the money to charity. I don't care. Like, do something like that. $5,000, it's a joke. Like, what's the point? No, exactly. Well, I mean, the, the thing is, that's the maximal, the maximum amount allowable in the CBA, right? No, I know that. I know that. But like, that's. I think that should change. Like, I know they can't. Yeah. Even more, but yeah, exactly. I mean, it is ridiculous. But I mean, like, all at the end of the day, like, even if okay, if it's a fifty thousand dollar fine, who cares? He's he's not going to be affected by fifty thousand. Yeah. But you know, at the end of the day, I mean, forget the fines. I mean, it it should just be a suspension. Yeah. Whatever. If it's one game. It's one game, you know, something like that. But especially for a head hit like that, that's you know, the, I mean, that's what you're trying to get out of the game. You know, it should. And, you know, it's regardless of who's, you know, if regardless if it's Tom Wilson on on McDavid or McDavid on, uh, you know, somebody that's you know, like Jake Evans or something, you know, it's a guy that's not that's, you know, not making the minimum salary or whatever. It, it, it shouldn't matter who's throwing that hit. The thing, too, is that like. People were, were analyzing, zooming in, and freeze-framing, shoulder hit first and all that. He, he aimed for the head. Yeah. That That's the point. He clearly aimed for the head. And not only that, is it's not a situation where a player was careless, went for a legal hit, didn't mean to, but ended up hitting the guy. In the, we see that a lot, and some sometimes those hits get suspensions because, unfortunately, it's based on if the guy gets injured or whatever, and and it's more of a careless play. This play by McDavid had 100% intention. It was a frustrated player. It was retaliation, and he was aiming for the head. Like, it shouldn't matter that KK got up like nothing happened afterwards. That should be a suspension. That is, You're saying that's what you want to get out of the game? Then do it. Because I, I, I'm tired of hearing the NHL wants to get headshots out of the game because it's not true. It, it, it's, it's complete crap. We've seen it time and time again this year, and nothing happens. There's no suspensions. There's nothing. It's just a lie. It's just they're, they, they're saying that, but it's not true. And I, I don't care about what they have to say about it. Show it to me. 
by actually suspending the players that, that he he clearly aimed for the head. There's no debate. He was angry. It wasn't accidental. He he was retaliating to like a play before and he was frustrated. It, that that should be clear cut. That should be clear cut. Yeah, something like that. Absolutely should should absolutely be clear cut. You know, I mean, there's a like, like you said. I mean, there's other hits that that you know when it when it really does you know if he's hitting the shoulder and and or whatever he's hitting them like right in the chest and it sort of goes up to the head afterwards. You know that. I mean, I I realize that can sort of be more of yeah. a gray zone, but but I mean this this seems very clear cut. You know, I mean, but uh, but it's McDavid, so he's just gonna get a five thousand dollar fine. Yeah. And like that. Uh, uh, what I was surprised to see, and what kind of made me feel justified about it, is I don't know if you saw it, but PJ Stock tweeted out that he thought it was an obvious uh, hit to the head. And for, coming from a guy like him, who even though he was with the Canadians in the past and worked in Canadian radio for a long time, tends to hate on the Canadians a lot. <laughs> and and like you just consider that usually the type of players like he was in the NHL tend to end up being analysts that are like, oh, it's part of the game. And so, but for, to, from him. To say that, I, to me, says a lot. I mean, it just it just proves that it, it was really it should have been a suspension. No, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Like you said, he's he's certainly not a not a not a big Canadians fan, and, no. and yeah, if and and you know, being a former enforcer himself, you know, he definitely does seem generally to to err on the side more of uh, of the person that's doing the hitting. So yeah, I was pretty surprised to see that from PJ, and uh, but yeah, I mean, that definitely nails home the point for sure. And um, all right, let's move on from it. I mean, whatever it, it is, what it is, and you got uh, it. It just it feels like it's happened a lot this year. Uh, it, it hadn't happened in a while, but at the beginning of the year, it kept happening with Habs players getting these hits that felt like should be suspensions, but it's just nothing's happening. But at, at the end of the day, they won. KK is not injured, so I guess we just got to move on. Uh, but uh, I mean, the the other bright spot with both that game and today's game. So today, win four one. Unfortunately, lose that shutout at the end there is the Dano Tatar Gallagher line really, really, really seem. And it started before these last two games. It's been, it's been a few games, but now it's been consistent. They really seem to have found their game. And as much as we've hated on Dano, I mean, everyone has, it seems, and we definitely has, have on, on this podcast at times, he's really found his game. And if this line can continue being what it had been in the past two years to go along with the rest of, rest of the depth we have, I mean, that, that's that's a game changer because that's the one thing that was completely lacking to start the year. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that, that was the one line that, that really seemed to be struggling right out of the gate. But and yeah, we've we've definitely hated a lot on Dano and uh, and Tatar here on the pod uh, over the last well, really since pretty much the beginning of the season. But man, both of them have really been fantastic as of late. I mean, they've both been putting up some some decent amount of points. They've both been great defensively as well. I mean, you know, I thought especially in that game against Edmonton. I mean, they just completely shut down McDavid and, and Drysidle uh, while I mean, scoring also. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, they're they're doing everything right now, and I mean, you know, it's we seem to. I mean, the guys that we were relying on more heavily at the beginning of the season, obviously they sort of slowed down. I mean, obviously Toffoli's injured right now. Anderson has has what like one goal in the last yeah, I mean, dozen games or whatever. I think even more than that. He has two so, in the last in the last twelve games. Anderson two and twelve. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, that's not not what you'd hope to get from him, but uh, I mean, that line has just been absolutely well, fantastic. I, I have the numbers here, and honestly, when I pulled these up, I was actually surprised that it's been this long that it's been going like this. I thought it was more of a recent trend, but I, I basically pulled up last 15 games, 
There's been 15 games under Duchamp. So this is just the stats since Duchamp has become the coach of the Montreal Canadiens. The top four scorers, you have number one, Thomas Tatar, almost a point per game, three, point, three goals, 11 assists in 15 games. Gallagher is second, eight goals, five assists, 13 points. Then you got Jeff Petrie, who's been great all year. He's got 11 points. But then number four is Daniel with three goals, eight assists, 11 points. So the top three fours for this. Now, of course, there's Toffoli is just under there, and he's missing the last three games. But still, that top line, since Deshamas took over as head coach, has absolutely dominated. And, and, and I mean, we've talked about how we don't love the plus-minus uh, number, but I think it's more relevant within the team. We got a plus 11, a plus 11 for Tatar and Gallagher, and a plus 14 for Dano, which is, uh, I mean, as far as forwards go, easily tops on the team. Only Joel Edmondson, who apparently is a plus minus king, is uh, is is in a similar category. So this line has been absolutely dominating for the Montreal Canadiens for the since Duchamp has taken over. Yeah, and I, I mean, props to Duchamp for keeping that line together. So, I mean, certainly us on the pod, you know, yeah. with, when Duchamp first came uh, came on as head coach, you know, we 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 expected him to maybe change that lineup. I mean, you know, that was Julien's favorite line for the longest time. Uh, you know, we expected to see them uh, see them get split up at some point. I think a lot of people on Twitter and in Habs uh, Habs land were expecting him to get to to moved around, but he stuck to it. Um, you know, I thought it, the first couple of games, they, they weren't great. But I mean, ever since basically when Dano scored his first goal, ever since then, they, that whole line's been on fire. Hey, uh, we talk about monkey off your back. It's a real exactly. thing. Just it's say. a real thing. And, and yeah, and like you said, we wanted to split, I wanted to split them up for a while. And it just shows why we shouldn't be coaches for the Montreal <laughs> Canadiens. I mean, we love talking about the Canadians, but at the end of the day, there is a reason why the coaches are there. And uh, I mean, and and just if you look back in the last few years, it's been the one of the few bright spots on this team has been that line. And now that they've figured it out and it's just the thing that we haven't seen is like all the lines figured out the same. But I guess that's that's never going to happen. It's like we talked about at the beginning of the year, the, the, the luxury of having this depth is that you can have a line that goes cold like Anderson, like you said, offensively hasn't done much in the last uh, last a little bit there. But then. Got taken over by 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 by, by the Daniel line. I, I have still enjoyed the Kudkiniemi line, but I mean, obviously now, I mean, I was pretty upset when I saw that he was going to be playing with uh, with Lekkinen and um, and uh, I'm blanking on. And Byron, Lekkinen and Byron. Oh yeah, Byron. <laughs> yeah, but then they've they they were the first shift for both the games, and of course they scored 14 seconds in or 18 seconds in in the first game, so. I mean, I guess it worked. I mean, that's the thing, though, is that usually Kotkaniemi would be giving these these kind of bad line mates and wasn't giving relevant minutes. But the difference here is he still has – I mean, there's injuries. It is what it is. He doesn't have the best line mates in, in Lekkanen and Byron. Not to take anything against them. They have had good games in the last two games, of course. But I love the, the way he, the, the line has been used, too. Like, he, starting the games with them. I mean, that he recognizes they have a lot of energy out of the gate. So they put them out there to start the game and just not scared. There were, there were times yesterday where, uh, or the, not yesterday, but the day before where Kotkaniemi was playing against McDavid. And uh, I feel like under Julien, they would, he would have been rushing to get him off the ice, but no, he let, Deshaun lets Kotkaniemi have those minutes playing against some of the elite centers in the NHL to, to get better, to learn how to play. Obviously, most of the time you want Dan to have that, that, that matchup, but it's not a bad thing for your young centers to get that practice either. 
Oh, definitely. I mean, how like Kutkin, I mean, ever since Duchamp has taken over, man, he looks like a whole new player. I mean, he's playing with just so much confidence and, and I mean, he just seems to get better and better. Like, uh, I mean, you really have to be, have to be happy with his progression. Uh, I mean, you know, ever since the, the bubble last year, but I mean, especially now since Duchamp has been hired, um, you know, I mean, playing with Lekin and, uh, and Byron, though, I mean, one thing about those two guys, definitely, you, I mean, you would think they have a huge chip on their shoulder, right? Lekin yeah. being, uh, you know, healthy scratch for, I think, nine games it was. And Byron yeah. obviously been on waivers at least two or three times this season. But, uh, man, once everybody gets healthy on this team, <laughs> it's going to be uh, it's going to be a puzzle. It's going to be a, a tough puzzle to figure out, but a good definitely an amazing problem to have for Duchamp. But that's the thing with the schedule coming up. I don't know if we're going to have a game from now until the end of the year where everyone's going to be healthy at the same time. And the schedule is getting so condensed. You're, you're going to have players needing like days off. And and like I feel like they're being a little cautious with Toffoli, for example, because they, they can. Because even though Tyler Toffoli has been the top scorer on this team this season, the top goal scorer, the team still have has amazing depth and is able – to kind of you know, get over uh, to fully being uh, being out of the lineup, so which it gives him time to to rest and 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 come back. Because I, I don't know if if was it ever figured out exactly what happened to Tofoli. It just feels like all of a sudden he was injured, and because I I was sure after the week off he was going to be able to come back. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's weird. They, obviously, they do seem to be taking a whole lot of precaution. I mean, he was skating. Uh, I think it was today, or maybe it was yesterday, by him by himself. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know if, if it's, if they've ever really said what exactly it was. I, I believe they said a lower body injury, which is, uh, usually as much as we get pretty often yeah. upper or lower body injury. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, obviously I guess it's a, it's a good sign that he was skating, uh, skating the other day, but yeah, I mean, why not? Like, especially with the, I mean, they've won three in a row at this point. They, <laughs> I mean, not that they don't seem to miss him, but I mean, they seem to be doing all right. Obviously, yeah. I mean, the the you know the, the I mean, they're flying right now. So I mean, all the re, all the more reason to take uh, take their time with the Foley and uh, lots of reinfor- in reinforcements coming in soon. And 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 you mentioned playing with a chip on their on their shoulder when when you talked about Lekin and and, and Byron. Now Jake Evans had quite the chip on the sh- was today his best game as a Montreal Canadian. He played fantastic man he played great today i mean he played great against edmonton as well uh i mean he like he got like i've obviously been a huge jake evans fan i I think we both have uh you know i've i've always thought he could be he could be a solid fourth liner for the Canadians. you were talking about jake evans when i was like who the heck is jake evans But I mean, like he got off to an amazing start this season, like yeah. better than I ever thought. Yeah. But I mean, he sure. obviously, I mean, it's it, obviously we all know that he slowed down significantly like the last, I don't know, month, maybe month and a half. But I mean, I, ever since Eric Stahl got, <laughs> was acquired by the Canadians, well, these last two games, man, he has looked like, I mean, he, he's gotten back to that Jake Evans that we saw at the beginning of the season. And, and yeah, I think today the game against Ottawa was probably the best game I've ever seen from Jake Evans. Especially offensively. I mean, we've seen him play great, uh, like on the PK and have some, like, early in the season, he was kind of like the, the dominant PK guy and, and was really playing solid hockey, smart hockey in that sense. But as far as, the 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 like the, the the plays offensively today it was just it was just it was just 
fantastic. I mean, when the fourth line was on the ice, yeah, I mean, I, I get it was against the Ottawa Senators, but you wouldn't think it was a fourth line. They they just had a fantastic game. No, exactly. I mean, he's the one that set up both the goals. Uh, you yeah. know, well, the, the second and third goal, right? The the Byron goal and the Perry goal. I mean, that's that was. I mean, it was basically all Jake Evans. You know, I mean, yeah. the amazing pass to Byron. You know, Byron made a nice move to the backhand, uh, and Corey Perry really didn't have to do a whole lot. Jake Evans set it up basically on a silver platter for him. So, man, that's, uh, you know, we all expected, uh, or at least I did, and, and I think you did too, expected him to be, uh, you know, once Eric Stahl gets out of quarantine for uh, for him to basically slip into that fourth line center role and, and Jake Evans will be in the press box, but definitely uh, makes the, the waters a little bit uh, more muddy now. Well, the great thing about Eric Stahl is that he can play on the wing. He's played on the wing, uh, especially more recently uh, in his career. So, and like for example, we've talked about how we need the help at the faceoff. So, well, first of all, it's not like Eric Stahl. He's a solid guy at the faceoff. He's not like he was never known to be an elite faceoff uh, taker, but he's good enough. But you, you can always have a situation where he takes the draw over. Uh, uh, instead of Evans, and then and then like Evans still plays the center role, and or Evans Evans can play on the wing too is the thing too. And I, I think at this point, let's say Stahl was ready to play today, I think Frolik is the one that gets out of the lineup, right? Yeah, I mean I think that makes the most sense. Though I've I've been pretty surprised the way Frolik played, uh, yeah. you know, just these first two games, as uh, you know, I mean obviously he hasn't played in a little while. He played uh, a couple. Well, of that, games that's with- the most impressive part to be able to just step in like that. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, but you you have to think that he's going to be the one that's uh, that's going to be stepping out. Um, but I mean, yeah, what what's going to happen? I mean, Stall obviously is coming uh, is going to be here within the next few days, I, I guess. And then obviously Toffoli. I mean, presumably he's going to be stepping in the lineup pretty yeah. soon as well. So, man, it's and even Armia is going to be coming back soon. I I mean, I don't even know if Armia will be coming back in the lineup at this point. I mean, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be tar- hard to fit him. I mean, it's whether or not the the, the Canadians actually have a game where the the everyone's healthy and everyone can 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 play, but it's it's a good problem to have because the the big issue with this break it seems to have helped in the short term, but in the long term the schedule is becoming incredibly condensed and the Canadians overall on most nights are gonna end up having facing a team who's had a, an easier schedule recently if you know what i mean like it's 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 more likely that the canadians are going to be coming off of like a back to back versus the other team because they have all these games in hands on these teams these games in hands have to go somewhere in the schedule you know so it's this is when this depth needs to be used and i hope it's going to be used more than we've seen earlier this year where especially with the bottom pairing kind of guys just have a bit of a rotation going sit a guy here sit a guy there sit a guy there and just have fresh legs every night coming in and i think that could be a huge advantage for the canadians to have these 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 players that like 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 Frolik or Evans or Byron or um uh, or Lekkinen that can just step in after missing a week of action and still be like great contributors uh to to to, to the team to, to, to get back to evans though something that i i saw uh, mike J- johnson tweeted this which i thought was interesting is that when when talking about the the rest we always like to talk about the veterans right like they mentioned on the rds uh broadcast a few times today that the rest seems to have done wonders for for weber and and which is true i mean we've criticized shea weber a lot but he's looked good in these last uh two uh two games for for the canadians but mike johnson mentioned that Rest is actually huge for young players like Jake Evans, like a Nick Suzuki, like a Kutkin Yemi, because something that's that's 
kind of underrated as far as what's most difficult for uh, young players coming into the NHL is the mental aspect of being ready to play day in and day out, those those condensed schedules, and just being ready to go every single game. And it can be kind of draining mentally. And we've seen it with Suzuki where, I mean, it, what seems to have been lacking in his game for a while was he seemed more unsure of his decision. It really seemed to be the mental aspect of it more so than him not being able to, to to follow physically, right? So, I mean, I think the rest is and will end up being a, a huge advantage for like the, this midseason break. I, I think it, it's going to do a lot of help for the Canadians. Yeah, I mean that that's certainly a good point. I mean, obviously, you know, the, being younger players, uh, you know, you you would you would think that physically they're uh, they can hold up to the grind a little bit more. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's a good point. You know, for young players like that, obviously, mentally, I'm sure it can't be can't be too easy. I mean, Jake Evans, this is going to be his first full NHL season here. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, I mean, it definitely can't be easy for him. Uh, I would imagine. I mean, so, yeah, like you said, I mean, we saw it earlier with Suzuki as well. I mean, he's he's had stretches where, you know, he hasn't been the same Suzuki. He hasn't seemed as as um you know as implicated in the game and ha- hasn't been making you know has ha- doesn't seem to have the same abilities or whatever at, at times. I mean, he seems to be playing better. Uh, I would say the last couple of weeks, but. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, maybe that is something that that's sort of overlooked. And um, yeah, yeah, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But I am nervous though for the uh, as far as the schedule goes, because these are two. I mean, I don't want to downplay these games once again. But Edmonton had a terrible game. I mean, I think that I honestly think the Edmonton game had more to do with Edmonton playing poorly than the Canadians playing well. And today against Ottawa, this is what needs to happen against Ottawa. I mean, at this point in the season, now that the teams know each other more, the the Canadians simply have a better roster from top to bottom than the Ottawa Senators. There's no reason why they can't win the majority of, if not all, the games remaining against them. I, I'm looking forward to the matchups. Like, like next game against Ed, the next game that's coming up against uh, Edmonton. I mean, not Saturday. I think it's Ottawa again. But after that, I'm uh, seeing yeah. uh, Edmonton again. I think we're going to see a very, very different Edmonton uh, game than we than we saw uh, a couple days ago. And then after that, the stretch is Toronto, Winnipeg, Winnipeg, Toronto. I'm very interested in these, these games. See yeah, see what the Canadians can do. That's going to be the real real test there. That'll be a little bit tougher for sure. But uh, but you sort of touched on it before. You know, like one thing that I really like seeing is that well earlier on in the season. You know, they they seem to uh, the last couple of minutes they'd give up the shutout, yeah. or the Canadians would get off to a three nothing lead, a, th- uh, a two nothing lead, three nothing lead, and they would just sort of you know play good enough to hang in in the game, and they'd let the other team come back. Yeah. You know, the Canadians in in both these games they got off to a great start. Obviously, two nothing leads, three nothing leads, um, even four nothing leads, but they didn't take their foot off the off the um, you know, off the gas here. Yeah. They didn't let the, the other team come back. You know, they score, unfortunately scored a goal late in the, late in the game here, uh, you know, to, to rob Jake Allen of his shutout, but, and it, and it was a power play goal. If, if yeah. I feel bad for Lekkonen cause he sat it for a bit and he's had a couple of good games, but if, if that penalty doesn't happen, I'm fairly confident Jake Evans keeps his, his, his shutout. And uh, I, 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 I don't Evans know if you were watching. Jake I mean, yeah, I mean, Jake Allen. Yeah, Jake <laughs> Allen. And I don't know if you were watching on RDS or on uh, on TSN, uh, but uh, on RDS, he, he literally said, uh, hopefully Evans can keep his shutout, you know, 
a second before the goal was scored. So I don't know how superstitious you are about that stuff as a, as a goaltender, but a lot of people on Twitter weren't too happy about it. Ah, uh, man, you can't say it. You can't say it. Did he say Jake Evans? Cause you just said Jake Evans again. No, I know. I know he said Jake Evans. Of course I meant Jake Allen. Uh, he did not say Jake Evans, uh, or maybe, maybe he did. I don't know. I, I didn't notice. <laughs> but uh, no, I was watching on, uh, on TSN, but, uh, yeah, yeah. You hate to say, it. yeah, you can't, you can't do that as a goalie. You can't, you can't and, do that. And even, even, uh, uh, against Edmonton, they were, there, there was only like 15 seconds left when they started saying, talking about the shutout. But still, it was stressing me out. I was like, there's going to be like, they're going to dump the puck. It's going to take a weird bounce and it's going to go in the net. Like, I just, just, just don't. And as they're saying it, you can tell that they know they shouldn't be saying it. <laughs> you know, they're, they're like kind of being hesitant about it. They'd be like, uh, people on Twitter are going to give us crap. But then just don't say it. Just don't say it. It's not that hard. You should never say that word. It's a bad <laughs> word. It's a, it's a bad <laughs> word. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Unless uh, the Canadians are getting shut out, then 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 well, say it as much as possible. Well, that's completely different. But I feel like that doesn't even count, though. You know, like that. That's that, true. That, that, it's it's like if the other team says shut out, that then that doesn't count. That you're not actually because the, the, the shut out saying shut out is only jinx if you want the shut out to happen. Is 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 how I think the the magic of it works. You know. That's true, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, obviously bad call by uh, by RDS there, but. Uh, but no, I mean, like, yeah, like you said, I mean, they weren't playing the best teams or, you know, necessarily teams that, uh, I mean, especially Edmonton, obviously they had had, they had a bit of a tough schedule as of late. I mean, Ottawa, yeah. you know, I mean, the Ottawa, they, they are what they are, Ottawa, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's obviously they have a tough, tough test coming up, but I mean, you know, it, at the very least, these are definitely confidence building games for sure. No, oh, that, that definitely. And the thing, the thing with Ottawa is, is the, they have lost games against Ottawa, this year already but you'd like to think that a team like ottawa a young team that kind of plays harder than you expect them to play and all that you'd hope it's earlier in the year that you that you lose some games to them but once you've had a few matchups against them and once their younger players are kind of they're starting to struggle with the grind and all that you you've got to think that moving forward in the i don't know how many matchups are left i mean they're playing saturday against ottawa but you 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 would hope most of these these games against Ottawa are going to end up being uh, W's for the for, for the Canadians. Yeah, and I mean one of the problems the Canadians have had earlier on in the season, uh, and I mean even the last couple of seasons, especially against Ottawa this season, like you like you said, I mean game they they keep seemingly losing games that they should be winning. Yeah. And obviously we saw that last season with uh, all the losses they had against Detroit. Yeah. But you know these two games were games that they should have won. They got off to a good start. They kept their foot on the gas and they won those games. So, you know, at the, two, two positives right there. And hopefully they can keep it going on Saturday. Well, on Sa- I think they win again on Saturday, personally. I mean, today was too dominant of a win. I don't think Ottawa's going to have an answer this quickly. Um, so if we want to do some quick predictions here before we move on to different news, I mean, I don't know when we plan on doing the next podcast, but let's just say but for the next two games here. I mean, I think they win again against Ottawa. I don't think it's that difficult of a game. I think we see a very similar... Maybe a bit more com- competitive than today from from Ottawa, but still something along the lines of like a 4-2 win uh, for the Canadians. But I think against Edmonton on Monday, it's going to be a tough game. And I think it's going to be – we're going to – I mean, have you did you see the stats of how Connor McDavid and, and Dreisaitl have had like I think one assist and two assists against the Canadians, no goals, and they've dominated against every other Canadian team in the division. I mean, is it really something that we're doing so good as a team? 
Is is Dano's line really doing that good at shutting them down? Or at some point, you got to think McDavid's going to have an expo- explosion of a game against the Canadians. Well, I mean, I, I definitely don't think it's a fluke that I mean, we've yeah. it's not like the Canadians have played one game against them, right? I know, I know. I mean, they've they've played at least like I don't know four or five, maybe six games against them. So obviously, obviously, the Canadians are doing something right, and uh, you know, it, uh, hopefully, they'll continue to do something right. I think they'll win both games. Yeah. Um. You know, I I mean, well, obviously, we will do a podcast next week. Obviously, we didn't do one last week because the Canadians were off. So, but um, yeah, I, I think they're going to win both games. I think. Carey Price gets another shutout on Saturday. Oh, damn, I probably shouldn't have said said shutout, but anyway. <laughs> and, it's and just on then, the day uh, of you're not supposed to say. It. <laughs> yeah, it's not, during the game is like, is when it's to bad it. to say it. And then they'll beat Edmonton. I, yeah, I think yeah, I think you're right. It'll be a closer game, but uh, I think they'll win again. And th- th- then it's it's the Wednesday Thursday back to back against in Toronto and then at home against Winnipeg. So. Back to back against the two top teams in the division, and there's uh, kind of a, a road trip in in between there. So uh, we'll see how that goes, but that's definitely not an easy uh, an easy back to back. In that case, I mean, you'd hope if they win one of the two, uh, two games there, I think I think you're happy about that. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Especially that second game, that's going to be tough against Winnipeg. Yeah. You know, that's that's going to be a tough game on the back to back. I mean, games against Toronto, they're always you know emotional games. So. Yeah, you know, it's a game that you lose and use up a lot of energy, so that second game will be tough. But uh, yeah, yeah, if, if they can win both of those, man, that uh, that's good. And and the 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 thing with with Winnipeg too is that, and I'm looking at it because today there was news uh, about Vancouver games getting canceled because of COVID. Well, those games were against Winnipeg. So Winnipeg against unless there's a change to the schedule, which which there might be, but Winnipeg is playing tomorrow in uh, at home versus Toronto. And then they don't play until they play the Canadians on Thursday. Oh, okay. So if that if that schedule stays like that, it might be uh, tough for the Canadians. A tough game for the Canadians. I mean, we'll see how Winnipeg as a team responds to a long rest, but they'll definitely be the more rested team <laughs> on the, on that day. Yeah, that'll probably be a tough one for the Canadians. But I mean, it's, it's probably pretty likely that there'll be some shuffling shuffling around in the schedule. So uh, you know, maybe they won't be that fresh. I mean, uh, we'll see. It's hard to say because the, the 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 schedule can 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 change constantly at at, uh, at this point. But uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, before uh, we move on from the games, we got a few questions. I, th- I think we've covered a bit of uh, what the Twitter questions were. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, we did have some Twitter questions here. So I mean, uh, I mean, really revolving around sort of what we've already touched on about the um, uh, about. The, the sort of puzzle that uh, that they're going to have here uh, moving forward. So uh, so we got first of all the hab statistician who said, oh man, I've gotten like a lot of notifications here. Just, I, I, oh. I I I got him open, so I'll just uh, I'll just. Read all right, it. so we got the hab statistician oh, saying uh, the obvious one: Who are you taking out of the lineup for to fully install? Then what do the forwards line look like for you guys? Uh, and then we also had a question. So that was from the half statistician. And then we also have from uh, Jade. So at Habdiction on uh, Twitter, what do you guys think of a possible stall Kakinami to Foley line? Uh, so I think, well, if we're taking a look at the lines, I mean, obviously, first off, you're going to have Tatar, Tatar, Dano, and Gallagher sticking together. Yeah. And sure. I think that pretty much goes without saying. 
uh, I think, man, after that though, it's, uh, it's going to be tough to say. I mean, we've, we've seen obviously a lot of Dwayne Suzuki and Anderson, but it hasn't been going that well. That well line. They haven't, they haven't, like, it's been, well, I feel like especially Anderson's really slowed down. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like you're still seeing Suzuki and the way, but I, you know, they're both more playmakers and it's just Anderson really hasn't been finishing it off for them. Um, it's, I mean, I think Byron is definitely at a lineup. I think that that's pretty easy to say. Um, before for a week, week you're going to say Byron before for a week. Well, no, I, I both of them are definitely going to be out. Both. I think. That, okay. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, Lekkinen, I would have said he was in the lineup, but man, I, I really think that penalty in the last, yeah. like, you know, you, you would think like it shouldn't, but it probably will. Like, cause it wasn't, Zuchalm doesn't seem like the type of coach that would necessarily do that. But at the same time, we've seen Zuchalm scratch Lekin in a lot. So it, it might be a situation where regardless of the penalty that he was going to take him out. I mean, yeah, if you good. asked me before these two games, I would have told you Jake Evans is going to be out of the lineup, but he's had two great oh. games back to back. So they can't take him out, take him out of the lineup. But then, but then Lekkonen scored too. So you, you, do you really want to take him out? Byron's had some solid. I mean, for a week, even though he's been solid, I think is the the one one hundred percent like very obvious. Yeah. Uh, yeah that, sure. that you take him out for 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 Toffoli. I mean, it, it depends. It's like, is Toffoli going to be ready for Saturday? When's Stall available to play? Actually. Uh man, when did he get traded for? I think I feel like it was like last Friday. I could very well be wrong on that, but I mean, he he's getting closer. Yeah, like he's I, getting closer. He's getting closer. I don't think he's gonna be. I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think he's available on Saturday, but I would say after that. So I mean, for Leak, obviously, a hundred percent. But by Byron too, man. He like today, Byron played really well. I mean, obviously, yeah. he scored the goal, scored the game-winning goal. But I mean, even just aside from that, I thought he played really well. He man, and against Edmonton, I mean, Kukinami got the, the opening yeah. goal, but it was a nice play by Byron too. So, I mean, it's, there's really no easy answers. I mean, and you also have Armia coming back potentially pretty soon as well, but I, I don't even know where I would slip in Armia. Like I, I think uh, Armia at this point for me is probably in the press box. I mean, Armia, here's the thing. It, 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 I feel bad for Armia, but we've seen it from other players. We, there's been players this year who and this is just speculation so who knows how he recovers from from covid but there's been players this year who had covid in the off season and struggled tremendously to start the year army might have a very very hard time for for the rest of the year really to get his legs back under him like we don't know yet how exactly it's going to affect him but i i don't think we we can really pencil in armia as an everyday player in the near future i mean we'll we'll see we'll see how it goes uh, hopefully, hopefully I'm wrong about that, but I, 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 and already he wasn't playing that well. I, I don't, I don't, I, I think he's going to be, he's going to be kind of an auto one out when he, when he's back at this point, unless there's other injuries, of course. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, that's, that's not a bad point. So, well, I mean, I guess to get, to get back to the, uh, to the one question that we did have from Jade, what would you think of a stall cook in Yemi into fully line? Well, here's the thing. I, that's when I'm, so Evans had a great game. We both think Evans should stay in the lineup because of how he's played the last couple of games. But is Stahl coming here to play on the wing or is he coming here to play center? Or is he going to be moved around a little bit? Because I, I love the idea of this line, but do they want to play Stahl at center? But, I mean, Stahl, here, here's one thing also to, that's worth mentioning if you put Stahl on the left wing. 
Toffoli, at the beginning of the year, said he prefers playing on the right wing. Now, he's played on the left wing mostly this year, pretty much exclusively this year, and he's done very well. So maybe Toffoli was wrong about his own abilities, and he's better off on the left wing. I don't know. Uh, but, I mean, you can also get Toffoli back on, on the side he prefers. I, I, I would definitely give that line a shot. I mean, it's the obvious, because, like, like you said, the Dano line staying together. He He's separated and put back together already a few times. Uh, Suzuki, Anderson, and and Dolwey. So I'm wondering if, similar to the the Dano line, it's a line he believes in, and he wants to give him time to kind of to find their game before he separates them. So I, I it, it makes a lot of sense that this is a line we're going to see when Stahl gets put into the lineup, and, and I think that could be a great line. It's a big line. I mean, also the idea of Stahl playing, Kudkiniemi playing with Stahl, I think that's great for Kudkiniemi's progression, right? Because as Habs fans. It would be a dream to see Kakiemi develop in a stall-like player, right? And they have similar builds and all that. I mean, it's a great mentor for Kakiemi to have for the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you definitely want to keep Kakiemi and Toffoli together. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think they've they've had a lot of success together, especially as of late. Um, and so, I, I mean, I think that line does make a whole lot of sense. Um, I mean, I think, you know, even though they have been struggling, Suzuki, uh, Drouin, and Anderson – I mean, at the beginning of the year, they were just so yeah. great that, you know, you probably want to give them a little bit more time to figure it out. But, I mean, I think that line makes a lot of sense. And then, you know, your fourth line, you're going to have Evans. Evans and Perry, I, I, I think at this point, are absolute guys on that fourth line. I mean, Perry, I don't think he should be playing on any other line. He'll be on that fourth line yeah. and getting power every time, of course. And then, uh, you know, on that fourth line with them. Tim Yeah. I mean, to I me, it's, it's like, and we saw like him on the PK today, and it's just like, and I've been the, the more of the Byron lover on on this podcast in general, but I think Lekkonen offers more, and like, there's been trade rumors, and Lekkonen seems the name that's out out there, but the only reason he's the name that's out there, in my opinion, at least this should be the only reason, is because he's the one that has actual value. That yeah. like not that I think that the Canadians are going to get a crazy return for Lekkonen, but I could definitely uh, there's teams out there that would take Lekkonen on their team for a pick 100%. If the Canadians like desperately need just to move his cap space, the, the Byron would be next to impossible to move. We'd have to include something else because there's more term. Lekkonen should be a very 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 easy person to move. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, last year there was a lot of rumors that uh, the Colorado wanted him. Yeah. And uh, I mean, Colorado is a pretty stacked team. Uh, I mean, uh, definitely, if the Canadians wanted to trade Lekkonen, I think, I mean, there would be at least a dozen teams. Half the NHL would be would be wanting to get him on on their team. I mean, he's a great he's a great bottom line guy. He doesn't make that much money. I forget what exactly. I think it's two point four million in salary or two point one. Um, so he's not making a huge amount of money. But he's a great penalty killer that can, you know, chip in offensively every once in a while too. Yeah, he's at, so. at two point four. But at this point, though, like the only reason they would move Lekkonen, the, the team's able to to fit stuff under under the cap as it is right now. The shuffling to do, they have to do the taxi squad thing and all that. But if they don't plan on on making a move for a defenseman, I see no reason to make more moves. I mean, I, I really. I like I, like like there's no reason to move Lekkonen unless it's to bring in help on 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 defense. You know you know what I mean? Because at forward, I mean there's Cole Caulfield that's that's about to show up that might that that might help right, right away. Stahl really fills the only potential hole on this team. I am perfectly happy with the forward group we have now. And 
assuming they don't need to clear cap space for the for the rest of the year, like, like I don't see the point of clearing cap space if it's not to make another move. Is what I'm saying, you know? No, exactly. And I mean, just also expanding on that depth, uh, we we actually also had another Twitter comment, um, and this is from uh, this is from a GT. So uh, at Giot81 on Twitter. Uh, so okay, so at, at some point, Army will jump in too. Paling playing well, and there might not be AHL playoffs. Doesn't look like there will be. Um, so he'd be available as of mid-May. And Caulfield, if he lights it up in the AHL, he could be with the Habs as well. Um, you know that that's a real logjam, and I think there might be a trade for a depth D-man in the works. Uh, do you see maybe the Canadians going after a depth D-man? I don't see like the Canadians don't need a depth D-man. They need a top D-man. You know what I mean? The Canadians have depth D-man. Yeah, no. And like I, I, I liked Mete, for example, the last few games. Exactly. Yeah, Mete. I mean, you know, he's looked really. It, basically, that's sort of what we needed was like a puck moving defenseman. Yeah, exactly. It's what Mete had been in the past, and yeah. And you know, we talked about this a lot. You know, two weeks ago on the last podcast, where you know Mete when he when he keeps it simple, which he wasn't at the beginning yeah. of the season. Um, you know, he was trying to do way too much. When he plays within his game, that's when he plays really well. And I mean, these last two games, he's. Uh, you know, he's, he's done what he's had to do. He's moved the puck really well. He's, you know, provided a great first pass out of the zone. And when he plays simple like that, that's when he can be a huge contributor to the Canadians. Yeah. So, I mean, I, if you I, keep and like, like this, I, I haven't missed Ben Sherratt, you know, like it hasn't been no. like Edmondson slotted in for Sherratt, Kulak and Petrie. We know what they can do. I mean, and honestly, let's say the defense is completely healthy and Sherratt is back, no other injuries. I see absolutely no reason to separate Kulak and Petrie. They've, they've done great together. I, I just the, – the depth defenseman that the Canadians are going to acquire is Ben Sherratt when he's back. That's that's what it is. Yeah, there's, exactly. I, I, I honestly think that there's no more moves to make. Because I, 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 I think, first of all, it's very difficult to make moves this year with the flat cap and COVID and everything. Uh, I think one of the big reasons the, the the stall trade happened was one the quarantine got lowered to one week and two the the Canadians had a week off because of what happened with Armia so really stall is going to end up only missing a handful of games versus what like would have been a couple of weeks so 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 it made a lot of sense but I think that's that's it and I think there's nothing wrong with that like unless something amazing shows up that there's a there's there's a defenseman that fits exactly what's what's right for the Canadians but. And that's that's not I don't think that's the type of move we're going to see this year. Like the stall trade we saw is the type of trades that are going to happen this year. And I think that's it. I think Bergevin's done. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm OK with it. Like the only reason I could see another move happening is if Bergevin really wants a spot for Caulfield in this lineup. Because that's the thing. They'd be tougher enough. There's no injuries. Where do you even slot him in? So then maybe he's thinking, OK, at this point, he, maybe he thinks Lekkanen is redundant. Byron can play his role. He can get a pick for Lekkanen. He moves out Lekkanen, which frees up space for Caulfield or even potentially – like because there's also Ryan Paling. Like you say, he's been been playing absolutely great. Now, I I want Paling to finish the season in, in the AHL, but if there's no AHL playoffs – I mean, not because I don't think Paling doesn't deserve a call, but just because I think this is great what's going on for him, and I think he it's good for him to stay there and finish the season and finish strong – but once the season's over, I agree he's earned kind of like a call up if 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 there's space for him. So the only only move I see happening is, is for that is if maybe Bergeron thinks there's an opportunity to free up some cap space and he thinks he has better pieces he wants to slot in from the AHL team. Then there's nothing yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. No, exactly. I mean, the Canadians really don't even have the cap space was to make any At sort all. of an addition. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, I, you know, the Canadians, once Sharap does get back, I mean, they have seven, even eight defensemen really that can play in the NHL. So uh, if some, if worse were to come to worse, I mean, they do have a couple of younger guys in the AHL that I think wouldn't be, um, I mean, really aren't aren't that w- much worse than Sherrod and Mete. So, you know, guys like exactly. and Kale exactly. Free, So They're just as good as the quote-unquote depth defensemen they could go get. There, there's no point in getting depth defensemen. No, exactly. It, I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense. Like you said, I mean, uh, you know, if, if something were to happen, like if the Canadians were somehow to get a to get a bargain on a, on a Matthias Eckholm and somehow they could make that work for the, oh, for for sure. the cap, then sure. obviously. But uh, I don't see how that's going to happen. Um, but yeah, no, I, th- I think they're, they're good to go. Um, and I obviously have an amazing amount of depth, especially at forward here. So no, I'm, I'm not too worried about, uh, about it. So, so then what do you think about, like, as we're talking about, like with stall coming in and with like, we are having a hard time inserting players as it is. And we talked about how we think Caulfield deserves a shot in the NHL. I mean, I mean, his his college coach has said he's NHL ready. I don't, I don't. Some some fans online were upset that he's starting in AHL. I see nothing wrong with Cole Caulfield something eight. I think it's the right thing to do. I mean, one thing we need to to remember about the the the, the style of game of, of like the the of uh, the the strategies employed by the Montreal Canadiens and the 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 Rocket are, are are most likely vastly different from what he's used to at the college level. So for him to just slot in in the middle of the season with no no games before like no training camp or nothing, it's it's just setting him up for for, for failure. So having him play under Joel Bouchard for for a few weeks is absolutely the move. But let's say he lights it up like you said in in the AHL and we, and like we do want him like I do believe that he it's been agreed that he's going to have at least one game. But where does he fit in his lineup? Assuming no injuries, like who who we have to take someone else out, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it, it, I mean, definitely right now. I mean, the Canadians don't have too many injuries right now, so it, it would be it, – it's really tough to see where exactly he'd slot in the lineup. A hundred percent he's going to play, you know, it, at least a game or two with the Canadians at some point this season. I, I believe it's been promised to him he's going to get at least one oh, yeah. game to, 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 like, you know, burn the year or whatever. Or, sure. or does that does he already burn a year in the AHL, actually? Yes, he does. Oh, okay, so never mind. So it's already going to burn. Yeah, but uh, but I mean, for sure, like right now, the Rocket are hurting. They've they're down to at the, they're at 12 forwards right now with they've dealt with a lot of injuries. Uh, I believe they have a suspension that they're dealing with also with Yannick Veyer. So they, they really need all the help they can get. Um, and right now, I mean, they have some of their top players that are injured as well, like uh, like Jesse Alonin. Uh, I think Jordan Wheel uh, just got injured as well. So he's going to be playing significant minutes in Definitely on the power play. He's probably going to play, be playing on the top line under Joel Bouchard. I mean, that's a recipe for his success right there. You Especially know, with how great Paling has been playing. I'm assuming Paling's been the number one center for the team, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah so now, he, now they yeah. get to play together. So, I mean, it's, it's good for Paling, too, to have such a sniper to play next to him. Yeah, so I mean, it, it, I think it makes a lot of sense. I, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been surprised if, if he jumped right onto the Canadians, but I mean, I think this makes a lot more sense, and 100% he's going to be playing 
at some point with the Canadians, uh, you know, at least a game or two before the end of the season. But uh, I mean, right now, like you said, I mean, it's, it, coming from the NCAA is a huge jump. Yeah, you know, exactly. The NCAA, they don't play that many games. They don't play on that regular of a basis. It's a much more of a exactly. grind playing in the AHL and NHL. So uh, it makes a whole lot of sense for sure. I mean, the, the the move that you want here is for him potentially to even finish the season in the AHL. So if there's no playoffs in the AHL, like how how long are we are we talking about here? Like was it uh, mid May that uh, the their season's gonna be over? Yeah, yeah, it's it's gonna be about that. So uh, well, that coincides with the end of the NHL. Yeah, we, exactly, exactly. So I mean, you're, you're you'll have a couple of uh, you know some of the young guys, like, I I guess, come join the Canadians maybe roughly at the end of uh, at the end of the season or or right for the playoffs. You know, I think you'll see a guy like Ryan Paling who's definitely deserved it. He's played great as of late. Uh, you know, Caulfield, I'm sure, is gonna be a shoe in for that call up. Uh, Yelonen, if he's uh, if he's healthy, you know, some of those defensemen as well. Uh, Josh Brooks taking a big step this year. Kale Fleury is looking pretty good after a relatively rough start to the season. Otto Liskinen's picked up where he where he's left off since last season. I mean, he's been one of the best defensemen in the AHL. So, I mean, lots of lots of great players. And I mean, heck, fuck, even in goal in nets. I mean, they have Caden Primo. So, oh, yeah, of course, now, not and that he, that's an issue in Montreal, but. Even Michael McNiven, he hasn't lost a, a regulation game since oh, uh, February 2020. So, so like, like getting back to Caulfield though, once he is ready to be, uh, like once he gets the, the, those games in, however much as it is, and like, like you said, we think he's gonna get an opportunity in the NHL at some point, and he'll be with the team come playoff time. Where do you slot him into this lineup? I mean, that's that's a good question. Obviously, he's not the kind of guy that's gonna be playing the fourth no, line. There's no reason Obviously. for that. I mean, even on the third line, I mean, I don't think you want to play him. And though he has taken some pretty significant leaps on his, in his, in the defensive zone. So it's, it's not like, you know, he's not as, as bad defensively as he no, was. But like the, the defensive line that, that plays against the offensive line on, on our team is the Daniel line. So there's no worries there. Like where he's going to slot in, it's either next to Kopkin Yemi or next to Suzuki. It, it, it's it, that, that those are the two only options really, if you ask me. Yeah, well, I mean, beside Kukinami, that's two guys that aren't that solid defensively, so I, I don't think you'd want to be doing that. I think probably besides Suzuki makes a lot more sense. Now, I, I, I strongly disagree with that. I think Kukinami is the perfect center for for uh, Caulfield. Forget about focusing on defense all the time. Give him a defenseman a winner. Give him a winger that's solid defensively. Kukinami is the best at, on this team, at finding someone in open space, he as he's proven from his time on the power play, he, like he he is the playmaker to become uh the, to be like he's going to be the best playmaker on this team for years to come, and he just he has that vision to find people in open space, and Cole Caulfield knows how to find open space. That his his bread and butter. He just is able to find that spot to get that one one timer off. And Kotkaniemi is the player to get him the puck. I, I truly believe they're going to be a great pairing for a long time for the Montreal Canadiens. And why not get it started this year? Plus, I, I, I don't mind the idea of – like, I, I don't love the idea – I don't want to focus on size too much. But, I mean, Suzuki's already not that big, and you probably want to keep Dwayne with him. And then all of a sudden, instead of Anderson, you have like Caulfield. With, like, that that turns into pretty small line, right? Kotkaniemi is much bigger, obviously has a much more physical game. So if you have a, a Toffoli, Kotkaniemi, and, and Caulfield, I mean, I think that's – I think well, that's maybe, a, maybe what you do is uh, is you have Anderson, Suzuki, and Caulfield. You know, Anderson adds that size. I mean, Kotkaniemi and, and Drouin 
the little amount that they have played together in the past, I mean, they've been fantastic. Sure. Maybe, maybe you know, maybe. But, I mean, you know, we all know the Canadians aren't going to stay healthy, especially with the amount of, of games course. they're playing in the condensed schedule. So, you know, they, they, there will be holes at some point that Caulfield uh, and, you know, all the other additions can uh, well, can jump into as well. Let's say Caulfield could play today, you know, with, with – with, let's say you had to take someone out of the roster today. Froelich is probably out, right? You put in Caulfield. And I put Caulfield next to Gutkinemi with Lekkinen as the other winger. Because then Lekkinen, we know how great he is defensively, which it, so so he can help to compensate for for what might be not as strong on the defensive end uh, from from the other players. But even then, Gutkinemi has improved. It's not like he's a complete liability defensively. And they've talked about the Bergman said that the main thing he loves about Caulfield's game is that he's greatly improved his his two way game. And I think that line makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You have Caulfield and uh, and KK just kind of setting each other up, scoring goals, and you got Lekkonen that's more responsible defensively. I think that's the move right there. I'd, I'd love to see it, man. I'd, I'm just excited to yeah. see Caulfield. I don't care with the Canadians or with the Rocket. I'm just excited to yeah. see what he can do. Yeah, I think Lure. the Rocket viewership oh. is going to skyrocket in the, <laughs> in the next oh, few for weeks. Sure. For sure. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. Uh, we actually, before I forget, we do actually have one more Twitter question. And that is from the, uh, from, I believe it's a new Habs podcast. It's, it's uh, well, the they, No Respect podcast. They were around before and, and I think they stopped for another, another back. Great name, oh, but No true. Respect podcast. And I love their branding too, with their little 8 bit characters. Yeah, it is pretty. It is. Yeah, they, they do really do have a cool logo. Uh, so with 17 games in the next 30 days, how do you think Price and Allen will be used? Well, I think they're both going to get a lot of playing time. That's, that's for sure. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, Jake Allen hasn't played a whole lot lately, but he's definitely going to, you know, he's going to earn his paycheck over the next month. That's for sure. I mean, if we're just talking about back to backs, there's three different instances of back to backs uh, coming up uh, in, in the next uh, in the next three weeks. So that's three games for Allen right there, guaranteed. And then, and then you'll probably plug him in if you have a few more games uh, here and there too. I mean, he, he's gonna get at least at least one start a week, and some weeks he's, he's gonna get two. And that that's the luxury the Canadians have, right? Because then if they can have a rested Carey Price come playoff time, that's a huge asset. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think at this point, especially we know with Jake Allen, it's really not it, like it's not like you're going to. I mean, no offense, Charlie Lindgren, but it's not like Charlie Lindgren's your backup and yeah. there's a significant drop-off after yeah. Price. I mean, Jake Allen has been fantastic this year. Like, uh, I mean, I, I think I'd just go 50-50, you know? If they're oh, playing that 17, much? Eight, that much? I, yeah, I mean, if they're playing 17 games, nine to Price and eight for Allen. Yeah. I mean... I don't, I don't hate it. I mean, uh, unless, unless you, you see a situation where Allen starts to struggle with too many games or something like that. But if you're not seeing that, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't hate that either. I think, and I think overall, not even just as far as goaltending goes, I think we, I hope we see a lot of rotation with, with the whole team. And this is why the, the next stretch is so, because already playoff odds and all that are looking very good for the, like we talked about the Calgary and, and uh, in Vancouver uh, lost a lot of games, which, Gave the Canadians some 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 space with the games in hands and all that, but 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 Calgary. I mean, just this month, and not for the next two weeks, but the Canadians are playing Calgary five times at the end of the month, end of the month of April. You, if you lose all those games, all of a sudden Calgary catches up, right? So it, it's crucial to, to to be able to 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 win those games. But if the Canadians can get more space and kind of secure that playoff spot, let's say in May the, the playoff spot is secured for the last couple of weeks of the season. 
it would be a huge, huge, huge asset to be able to rest players going into the playoffs because they're going to be coming off such a grind of a schedule. And the thing is, is especially if the Canadians are the number four team and the number one, two, and three team were sitting pretty, pretty much clinched a playoff spot already while the Canadians were fighting for that spot, they have already already done this probably. They've already maybe re- put rested some players here and there, uh, or even not just sitting out, but just lowering the minutes on some players so so they're not completely drained come playoff time. With this schedule this year, I think that's going to be very, very valuable if, if the team is able to do that at, at, in the in the last stretch of the season. Because it's coming soon. There's only a month and a half left of the season. No, absolutely. I mean, they, they have the depth to do it. Why not do it? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and, you know, I mean, we saw it, uh, you know, this week. I mean, with Byron and, and, and especially Lekin, you know, he was he, he had some time off. He had a bit of a chip on his shoulder, yeah. and he went out and, uh, you know, played and a great t- game. Toffoli was the t- top scorer on the team. I mean, you wouldn't think that take, – you'd think taking in the top scorer off the team would be a huge like, detriment to the team. And, of course, we're missing Toffoli, and the team is better with Toffoli in the lineup. But the team has done fine without Toffoli. So it just shows that the depth is there to allow players. And I, I do think that might be what's happening here. I and mean, we don't have the details on the injury, but I do think a little bit what's happening here is that they're giving him all the time he needs. To, to, to recover, which 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 is which is great, which is what is so crucial about the the depth the Canadians have uh, right now. Yeah, I mean you you know you don't uh, I mean the you know the, as the old saying goes you know if it's not broke don't fix it, but uh, you know at the same time you want to make sure that these guys stay fresh, especially going into the season. It's going to be a grind the last little last little stretch here. So you know they have that depth. I mean this is why they went out and signed guys like Corey Perry. Uh, Michael Froelich and and yeah. why they went out and yeah. got Eric Stahl exactly. I mean, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it, with everyone healthy, we're gonna have uh, like a fifth line that's that, that would be ready to to, to play on a, a, any given uh, any given night. But that that's what you want, and that that that's perfect. Uh, so just before we end it here, because we're starting to run along a little bit here, the one last thing I wanted to talk about was there has been kind of a bit of an update with the, the whole Phil Dano contract situation, which I thought was interesting. So now this is coming directly from Stefan Fizet who who works with the agency or is I don't know if he's the agent of Deno or he's like one of the agents I think he said he was the French agent something along those lines but he he works in the agency of uh, of Philip Deno and so he didn't directly say this but someone heard from him is what the news says essentially that Deno was never offered the 5 million dollar for 5 years or 6 year contract what it was is that they presented the uh, Pajot contract with the Islanders, which is five million over six years, as an example of what they think could be a good comparable for Dano, and then they essentially heard nothing back. Yeah, yeah, we we talked a, a little bit about this before the podcast. I think, I mean, th- th- that news came out at the be like basically the beginning of the season that he was offered that contract, and yeah. you know, I mean, everybody just, uh, I mean, seemed to agree that okay, that's yeah. that what happened there's no denying or nothing exactly it's like the it's like the agent just thought about this angle and decided to put it out there i think he's just trying to save face because everybody's i mean and we've certainly said it a bunch of times that you know he dano though i mean obviously not recently but he had been costing himself a lot of money since the beginning of the year with i mean obviously the 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 crazy cold streak that he had uh, to begin the year, obviously he's played a lot better right now. He's probably making himself some money right now, but yeah. I think that's what it is. I think it's more about savings face than anything. Um, you know, yeah, I think he's tired. Dano's probably tired of, of, of everyone saying that he should have, shouldn't have turned down that contract. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's what that is. It's not a crazy comparison though. I mean, 
Pajot get, but but I remember when Pajot signed that contract, we were kind of thinking it might have been a bit of an overpayment. Uh, the, the the one thing with Pajot though is he scores more goals than Dano. I mean, he Pajot had 26 goals last year. That's not something that that you expect from Dano, but that's not Dano's game. Dano offers other things that that Pajot doesn't offer. I mean. The thing is, is Deno worth $5 million a year? Probably. It's whether or not this team can afford We've talked about this before. Is it smart for the Canadians to give what will essentially be this team's third-line center for the next however many years $5 million a year? Like, can Canadians afford that moving forward is, is the problem. $5 million is really as high as I go. But 4. Yeah, 5 no, I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, though I, d- I definitely think he'll get that and and maybe even more. on Free agency, for sure. Well, I mean, the, the thing is, I say for sure, but maybe not with the flat cap. I mean, you see a guy like Shane Gossesbeer who was – I mean, I know he has his issues defensively, but he had a 60-point season as a defenseman only a couple years ago, and he has a $4.5 million cap. That's not that crazy. I mean, we're talking about giving Deno five, and he just went unclaimed. And the cap's not moving next year. There's just no space. I mean, the one thing is with a new team coming in, that's a whole other place where people can kind of send some cap space. So maybe that opens up space for uh, for contracts and, 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 and things like that. But I don't know if he finds much more than $5 million on the open market. It's, it's just it's so hard to predict. It's it's completely different going into, into this free agency. It is, uh, but I mean, yeah, it's. It, we'll see how how he continues to play to be it, you know, for the rest of the season. Uh, I mean, the Canadians have a, have a couple of UFAs coming up here. You know, obviously, I mean, they have Armia. They have, I mean, obviously, there's been a lot of talk about Dano and Tatar, yeah. of course. Uh, but I, I mean, let's not forget about Eric Stahl. Who knows what he's gonna yeah. do? I and mean, if Eric Stahl comes out and plays. You know, up to I mean, Eric Stahl's still got some great hockey in him. So maybe Eric yeah, Stahl. He has a, a bad year so far in Buffalo, but who hasn't? But if you look okay. at his stats in the last few seasons in, in uh, Minnesota, he's been he's been great. I'm sure he's lost a step, but that's what everyone said about Corey Barry. He's been fantastic. Absolutely. So I mean, uh, you know, maybe Eric Stahl ends up being that third line center. Who knows? But uh, you know, I mean, the, the rest of the, the there's still a ways to go here in the season, but. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a really complicated offseason, especially with the cap. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, I mean, it's just like you said. I think I think it's weird timing with uh, with the Deno news. And what I find un- unfortunate is that like, well, it's he's going better now. Why? Like things are going well. Like why kind of put why that kind that? of energy out there that you, that he's going to get asked these annoying questions by the press? Luckily though, I feel like it's kind of almost went under the radar like it, it's it's there I've, i saw a couple articles here and there talking about it but uh, people aren't talking about this uh this 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 news that much which which i think is for the best because the team is is playing well and it's, it's looking good but i mean this team is better with deno when he plays well it's for sure it's whether or not they can afford him really yeah exactly exactly i mean it's going to be it's going to be a tough puzzle for for bergevin to uh to sort of figure out there but uh but anyway i mean they they you know they're they're under the cap now, and, and I mean once once the season is over, it's it's going to be you know it, it's going to be a headache for sure. Yeah. The thing is, is looking at it now, the, the contract that that stands out to me is, is Tyler Toffoli. I mean Tyler Toffoli is having a monster year. He's I mean probably um, you would probably argue a worth more money a year you know than than Dano, and the contract he signed is four point two five. So I mean 
they, they can talk about contracts on, on other teams, but it always helps when you have a guy on your team with that. He, he just signed this contract. It's, it's a it's a COVID-era contract, if you will, right? Because he, he signed it at the flat cap. That's maybe a closer comparison. And if they can get Dano on a contract similar to the Foley, then I'm happy with that. Then I'll, I'll do that all day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll take that for sure. I mean, if they, if, if they can get him for like four, four and a half, I, I don't know that that's going to happen. But, yeah, I think I'm taking that. I mean, yeah. even if he's going to be the third line center, that's not no. a bad deal. Not a bad deal. Yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely agree. Uh, I, I agree with that there. I mean, but I mean, we'll see. I mean, <laughs> who, who knows? Because uh, then if the Canadians go on a playoff run and Danu has uh, a, a monster playoff, that changes things too, right? Yeah. The, we've seen players get paid, played for their playoff performance. And I do think, and that's totally fair game on Danu. I'm not one to criticize a player to go for a paycheck. But I do think if Danu thinks he has an opportunity to make more money elsewhere, he's going to take it, you know, because it's, it's even though, I mean, they're, they're all millionaires in the NHL. He does, he has been on a cheap contract at 3 million a year. This is the year he's going to have his, his big, biggest payday. He's probably pissed off at the timing being absolutely horrible for him. Uh, <laughs> but if, if something happens that he gets the vibe that he can, maybe what we see is he tests free agency, but then he circles back to the Canadians when he can't get a better contract elsewhere. So, so we'll see how that goes, but Hopefully he just – if the, that line can keep playing the way it's playing right now. I mean, I, I was so excited about the Canadians at the beginning of the year, and then they started to struggle again, and I was so down on them again. It was like we were back in last year, and now I'm back to getting really hyped about them again. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what this next month is going to do. Yeah, well, uh, being a Habs fan often is a roller coaster, and it definitely yeah. has been that this year. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, you know, obviously the last two games, they've, they've been great, and hopefully they can keep it going. And, right. I mean, uh, we're about what? Like, uh, well, we're about two weeks away from uh, from the trade deadline. Not yeah. that I don't think it is going to happen, but, uh, man, before you know it, the playoffs are going to be in about a month, month and a half. So Yeah, the playoffs are mid-April. It's It's a month and a half. Uh, it's the last Mid-May. Canadians game is on April 11th, and that's because they've had to add games against Edmonton because of uh of the game, games that got canceled. So, well, not April 11th. You mean May 11th? No, I do mean May 11th. Obviously, Dustin. Okay, read between the yeah. lines. <laughs> I meant Jake Allen, and I meant May. Okay, <laughs> you can't expect too much of me here. <laughs> All right, so uh, that covers it for uh, for for this week, I think. But uh, hey, the Canadians are winning three games, two, three wins in a row. Hopefully, they keep it up. So uh, we'll uh, we'll be back next week, hopefully talking about some more wins. So uh, thank you for listening. As always, ask us uh, your question on Twitter at the Hab uh, Forum, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>